in Israel, the ecosystem, the atmosphere is that it's okay to fail uh, if you uh, are smart enough to learn from your failure and take some of the uh, messages or take home messages to your next um, idea. So there are many, many entrepreneurs in Israel that are looking for new ideas to start and uh, together. So this triangle of uh, academic excellence, the willing of the academic institutions to look at applicable science and to support it and uh, the, the startup nation atmosphere and the availability of entrepreneurs, these three, I think, uh, uh, ingredients make the technology transfer in Israel so successful. Welcome to the Tech Talk podcast, where we discuss technology and how technology is shaping the society and economy in our everyday life. I'm Stefan Koritar, and I'm a product consultant in technology-based business models. Today, my guest is Tamar Ras. Tamar is a technology transfer expert with nearly 20 years of experience leading business transactions and management in the biotech and life sciences sector. She has a successful track record of bringing medical innovations from the laboratory to market. During her career, she has commercialized and licensed numerous pharmaceutical, biotechnology, medical and digital health projects to companies worldwide. She is the CEO of Hadassit, the technology transfer company of Hadassah University Hospitals in Jerusalem. Hadassit operates projects and IP of Hadassah physicians and researchers. Their expertise lies within the fields of oncology, immunotherapy, cell therapies, cardiology, ophthalmology, gynecology, drug discovery and development, personalized medicine, AI, and more. She serves as the chairperson of Hadassit Bioholdings, a public holding company allowing public participation in the promising field of biotechnology, and board member in a few medical companies. She started her journey as a founder and entrepreneur, and later the CEO of Allergen LTD, an Israeli drug development startup company where she gained understanding of both worlds, the academic and the business. Her mission is to connect these two ecosystems in joining forces to bring innovations and novel solutions to the world. Enjoy my conversations with Tamar. Hello, Tamar, and welcome to the Tech Talk podcast. It's great having you here. Hi. Um, Tamar, it was really great uh, seeing you and listening you, listening to you and your your colleagues uh, in in the webinar organized by the Raw Startup Initiative. That was, like I said, um, before hitting the record button. It was um, really great to see how many information you have in terms of the, specifically the technology transfer subject, but even expanded more to the entire startup ecosystem. Um, so it would be, you know, it was, it, it, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast in, in short. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to be here and I hope uh, this will be interesting and educating to many universities and academic institutions in Romania. That is one of the first, uh, that is one of the subjects uh, that um, this conversation should, uh, should do. Um, and that is to educate and you know, give them a, a broader perspective of, of what technology transfer can do for, for a country, in, 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 uh, in a sense. 
Um, I would like to go into the first question and um, maybe, you know, for a couple, the first couple of questions are going to be more on a general level and then more talk about specific stuff around the technology transfer. Um, but I really loved your notes, uh, like I said, in the webinar. So the first question is, um, if you could give me a, a historic overview of maybe how Israel came to have today such a successful technology transfer sector or maybe startup ecosystem. I don't know which one is the correct way to say it, but um, I would I would stick to the technology transfer sector. So I think uh, the technology transfer sector is built on the basis of uh, excellence in research and uh, academic institutions and also uh, is connected to the startup ecosystem and the inter entrepreneurship ecosystem that we have in Israel, because we need to have these two uh, legs or these two pillars in order to build the technology transfer operations uh, to connect them. So I think that scientific excellence started in Israel uh, since uh, the country was built with great universities and scientists that came to Israel from all over the world. And the basic is really to build good infrastructure of research, of innovation, both in universities and if we talk about the medical field, in medical hospitals. So many hospitals in Israel and Hadassah that I represent is number one, uh, do a lot of research, of medical research. So, so this is the, the, the basics. And the, the ecosystem of technology transfer started actually in the 60s of the last century. And I, uh, I, I uh, know that the first technology company in Israel was Yeda of the Weizmann Institute, when they realized that uh, some of the research uh, can can lead to to products to things that uh, can get to market. So uh, Yeda was established, and then uh, not uh, um, many years after, Ramot, the technology transfer company of Tel Aviv University, had the seat. The technology transfer company of Hadassah that I represent was also established in the 80s of the last century. So this was when universities and hospitals realized that some of the research can be translated to the real world. So it's not only good research that will be published and uh, uh, will uh, enlarge the knowledge uh, worldwide in many areas, some of this research can lead to actual products and actual uh, products that can help humanity, especially in my field, that is the medical field. So technology transfer companies were set and uh, the um, main thinking or, or the main idea was how do we separate, the main thinking was how do we separate the academic world when uh, professors can research whatever they want um, because of curiosity and excellence of science and nothing should limit or make borders on this. How can we translate some of the research and put an emphasis on research that can lead to products? And it was very uh, clear that these two things must uh, um, live together or in parallel with each other, because we don't want all the universities to do only research that is applicable research. This is not the idea of an academic institutions. 
But for a technology transfer company to strive, we need to see products. We need to see the companies. We need to see the, um, the, the marketable ideas at the end of the way. So combining this is a challenge. And I think that Israel sets uh, a very good system in this, uh, in this regard. Now, this can happen and can work very good if we have a good uh, entrepreneurship uh, ecosystem and we do have people they, that want to take these technologies and do something with them. And here come the startup nation to the story. Israel is a very, very inter entrepreneurship uh, country. Many people are inventors. Many people are not afraid to start new things. And uh, people are not afraid to fail, as we think that uh, learning from your failure is very, very important. And actually, when I, uh, I, um, I interview people for new uh, jobs or um, vacancies in Hadassit or in my previous positions, it's very interesting to me to hear also about the failures of the candidates, because I think that people learn a lot from the failures and in Israel, the ecosystem, the atmosphere is that it's okay to fail uh, if you uh, are smart enough to learn from your failure and take some of the uh, messages or take home messages to your next um, idea. So there are many, many entrepreneurs in Israel that are looking for new ideas to start and uh, together so this triangle of uh, academic excellence, the willing of the academic institutions to look at applicable science and to support it, and uh, the, the startup nation atmosphere and the availability of entrepreneurs, these three, I think, uh, uh, ingredients make the technology transfer in Israel so successful. That is that is such a great overview, and um, I did catch something at the beginning that you said that um, in the early days and in, in the early years of setting up the infrastructure, uh, and that the Israel has done uh, a really good job in terms of setting up this infrastructure for technology transfer. What do you mean exactly by uh, setting up the infrastructure? What is it? Was it was it hardware? Was it policies? Was it alignment standards? Was it what was that infrastructure? So I think the first is the universities and hospitals policies. In order to start such uh, an activity, the institution needs to decide on the higher level of the higher management of the institution that this is part of the mission of the institution. Mm -hmm. The mission of the institution is also to bring products to the market, to support applicable science or applicable research, the institution must declare this, and the institution must create IP policy, a policy that will take care of ideas invented, who will take care of them, a policy that will show the professors that uh, doing applicable science and writing patents is also important, not only pub publica uh, uh, publications in peer-reviewed journals. Yeah. These things are set together and build an incentive. Uh, we have in Israel very, very strong incentives for the scientists uh, to invent new ideas. 
I'll give you an example. Uh, it uh, had a seat in Hadassah. This is um, coming from Hadassah policies. Uh, from every dollar that bring to the institution uh, because of um, uh, commercialization or because the company uh, that we have uh, did a good deal or, or uh, took product all the way to the market, from every dollar that we bring to the table, 40% goes to the private uh, pockets or bank account of the inventors of the technology. 20% go back to their um, uh, to the research funds. So the professor who invented uh, technology maybe 10 years ago, now will get more money to his research fund to do new things. Mm -hmm. And only 40% go back to the institution. So it's a very uh, important incentive for the professors, for the physicians, not only to do their daily job, not only to do their uh, research, but also to think about patents and to think about innovation and to think about creation of applicable science. Now, all the um, uh, expenses, if we need to write a patent, if we need to do the business development, if we have an idea and now my business development person needs to go out and meet companies and interest them in, in the technologies, all these expenses are ours. The inventors will not uh, spend money from his uh, private pocket. And this is another thing that the institution in the first years uh, needs to decide to put money on this. Mm -hmm. So the institution must give budget to the um, to its technology transfer company. Now today uh, it had a seat. We are self-sufficient, so we we bring money to Hadassah, and we also fund some research at Hadassah. And our uh, income today is much bigger than our expenses. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like this in the first years. In the first years, when you just start, you have to invest before you see the money coming uh, back. So um, uh, I know that uh, in general, they say that it takes 15 years, one five, 15 years for a technology transfer company to become even, to make sure that the expenses are equal to the, to the income. So the institutions and the government needs to decide that uh, it's worth and they put the money and they put the budget. Yeah. Another thing is how you build a company. What are the ingredients that you need that will be in a good technology transfer company that will make this technology transfer company successful? So you need uh, people that understand the science, that understand the ideas. You need people that understand IP and patents. You need uh, to be able to write the patents and, and to take care of the patents. You need good business development people that will be able to uh, um, take the technologies and, um, and license them and talk with the industry. And you need the finance, of course, the finance and the legal department. So in order to have all this in the technology transfer company, you need to build a company with the relevant departments and let the university uh, fund it and aware, be aware of how much money they will need to invest in the first year of uh, 
uh, of a technology transfer company. Now, one more thing uh, I want to say in, in, in this regard, that uh, it's, it's not only the matter of time, it's also a matter of expertise. For example, the people I hire for uh, business development, uh, for the business development uh, positions and for the uh, IP uh, department positions needs to have, uh, needs to understand, they need to understand two languages. They need to understand the academic language, they need to understand the science, but they also need to understand the commercial language. So the people I, I hire have the high degree in the relevant area that they deal with, but they also worked a few years with the industry in a startup company, in a, a medium or, or, or big size company. But as I define technology transfer as the art of translation and translating from the academic world to the industrial world, I think it's not less hard than translating from Romanian to English or from Chinese to English. So the people that work at a technology transfer company must understand the two languages, the, language, the academic language and the commercial language. That's, uh, that's uh, very interesting because um, uh, that's how I see the European um, grants or commission, uh, funded, right? The, the calls for application, the European funding, I think, that's the very that's a very similar situation where you have to have somebody in the middle that understands that language of uh, of uh, European funding uh, grants and then the the kind the private real life uh, commercial situations of startups and company needs and so on so that's very interesting because i see that uh, so i can i can um em em have a empathy not empathy but um, understand that um you said that the university um, has to fund the development of those departments. Um, how does that work? Is it is it the departments are created in the company uh, which is spinned off, or is it supported for a period of time by the the university departments <clears throat> and then later on created inside the company? Does how does that then work? Okay, so the the idea start in the laboratory of the researchers in the academic institution. It can be a laboratory in the university, it can be a research laboratory at a hospital, like we have in Hadassah. It all starts from, you know, the minds and heads of the, of the researchers, of, of the scientists. And when uh, they come to us, or we come to them, we do a lot of active scouting inside the hospital inside the institution. So we talk with the scientists, we ask them, what do you do now? What is your current project? What funds do you have? We have the, the list of research funds, academic research funds that the researchers get from European funds, from Israeli funds, from international funds. So we know what are the areas that they are, that they are working on. And we meet them occasionally. And when we meet them, we ask them, tell us about what you do and tell us about um, your ideas and what in your ideas you think might be applicable, might be uh, relevant to, to the commercial world. When they tell us about uh, novel ideas like this, we take them to the office, we take them to other seat, to the technology transfer office. 
and we, we start to do our internal due diligence. So we look at references, uh, we look at patents, we look at um, a patent databases that we have to see if the idea is really novel, if nobody else wrote a patent about this before, and we check the market. We use uh, databases and our knowledge and we consult with people and we check if the idea is really needed <clears throat> because not every idea has a market that is interesting enough. And also markets sometimes change things that weren't interesting to the commercial uh, life or com uh, to companies 10 years ago might be very, very interesting today. So we need to be up to date and my business development people need to be up to date all the time. So if we decide it's interesting enough, we have our internal patent committee that is meeting every six weeks. These are the people from Hadassit and the senior researchers and head of departments of Hadassah, of the hospital. We meet every six weeks. We look together, we examine all the new ideas that are on the table and the ones that are uh, that look interesting enough for us we decide that we now take care of them and we commercialize them and we write patents so we work with patent offices all over israel and also outside of israel we write the first application um, of the patent and now we work together with the scientists to decide what is the commercial pathway for this idea. So it's all done now uh, on our uh, expense. So the, the basic research was done from the academic uh, uh, money that the researchers have. But the minute it comes to us, we need to fund the patents in all our internal activities, business development, going to uh, uh, conferences, meeting with companies. This is all part of my budget, of Hadassit budget. It doesn't come from the budget of the professor. But many, many times we see the idea and we say, okay, we want to write a patent. We want to go and meet companies and meet entrepreneurs, but there is a gap. And this is a very, very uh, known, this gap is also known as the first value of death. It's, uh, you can see a great project, you say, wow, this is a great idea, we can write a patent, we will be able to commercialize this idea if we will have more results, because the industry that is sitting there in, in the background will want to know not only about the science, but they will want to know some specs regarding, regarding the uh, commerciability of the idea. And this uh, activities sometimes we cannot fund from the academic uh, funds of the researchers. So then we go outside together with the researcher and we look for money. And this is the place where the government is uh, playing a very important role. And when I mentioned at the beginning of, of my talk, the, the, the triangle, uh, so the fourth um, pillar of this success is the help of the government. So the Israel government have said it was called the Office of the Chief Scientist many years ago. Now uh, this is the Israeli Innovation Authority. It's a government authority that uh, um, uh, help us to fund the project in this um, in-between stage. 
in the stage when the product is not a pure sign, scientific anymore, but it's not ripe for a company yet. We need to do some more steps. So we have few kinds of grants that can, we can apply to the Israeli uh, government, to the Israel Innovation Authority. We can apply by ourselves or we can apply together with a company. Company can come and say, listen, I like this idea, but in order to make a commitment from the company money, I want to see more results. I want to see A, B, and C. So we apply together to the government. We can get money in, to do exactly this A, B, and C that the company asked to see. We can get grants for one year or for two years. And then after this time, the project is more ripe for commercialization. So we can go to the company that, uh, that we already talked with, or we can go to other companies. And this is a huge help because it helps us to take the technologies from the pure academic world to the world that uh, the industry is now uh, able to, to understand. Uh, thank you. That that's such a beautiful explanation um, in terms of steps and and phases. Um, and you've mentioned around the principal pillars that um, it has to have a strategy has to have for the technology transfer ecosystem to to mature and grow. Um, and on this idea, how do you think um, Romania or the Romanian ecosystem? Um, can take its technology transfer to the next level. Like, what is it missing? It can be Romania or any other country um, that has, like I said, inexistent or very un underdeveloped technology transfer um, sector. What are the first steps that they need to take? Is it government? Is it academia? What would be? So it's, it's a complicated uh, question. I, I know. <laughs> answers and I don't I'm not sure that um, all of them will be 100% aligned with each other. I'm a great believer of um, the uh, bottom-up approach. I think things that start from the field, that starts from the bottom, from the needs of people, these things are more related to reality. I hardly see things that start from the top, you know, from the government without any um, uh, good uh, backing by people that need to do. I hardly uh, think, see things that start from, from um, uh, top down uh, successful. But maybe this is because Israel have this atmosphere, this startup nation atmosphere that we already mentioned. So I think that for individual institutions, for individual universities or, or hospitals. If people, if the management of the university uh, see that there is a, a topic or a field that the university excels in and that ideas that are going to be published, people say, wow, this can be also a great idea or a great solution for something in the market, this is a very good starting point. So I, I wish that such university or such institution, we say, okay, now we set a policy. Now we try to take one, two or three areas of excellence and learn how to, to make 
commercialization, how to make technology transfer. So such university needs to decide how much money they are willing to invest in this and, and, and create a company. This can be a company, this can be a department within the university, but it's very important that the company, that the institution will declare um, the goals. What do they want to achieve? If they want to achieve for Hadassah, for example, it's very important to see uh, drugs and medical devices out there all over the world with a stamp Hadassah made. This is an honor to be able to say that there are uh, life-saving products that were in the world that were invested in Hadassah. To another institution, it can be uh, different. Uh, a university can say, we want in X years, in X years, to be able to bring profits to the university. So when you set the goals, uh, you can set the fields that you want to work in. In the medical field, it will take many, many years and you can ha have great products, but it will take a long time till the university will see money out of it. If you go to engineering, if you go to uh, computer sciences, uh, if you go to physics, maybe a university can have ideas and laboratories that, that can create applicable ideas that can lead to products much faster and it will not cost so much. So the university will be able to see revenues from this activity much faster. So it really depends on in, in, in the excellence and the fields and what the university wants to set. But the first thing is to sit and set a goal and then start to work to, uh, for this goal. And definitely you can, you know, you can start from small and then grow it more and more. So this was one, one part of, of my, uh, my answer. The second part is that I don't think you can really do this without government help or without some infrastructure from the top that we set, that we set the guidelines that will help, that will give money. If, uh, if the government will set a vehicle that will give money for early stage projects, like I, I uh, described the Israeli Innovation Authority is doing, this will be a huge incentive for researchers and for universities to work in these fields because the money is there, so it's easier to work there. So, uh, and the government also, if, uh, I said it takes technology transfer company to get even. If it's important in a national level, maybe the government can pick few universities and give funds in order to fund the first activities of the technology transfer company and give the university some leeway to start and be funded by the government. So I think that when you want to create such a thing from scratch, you probably need both uh, uh, both ways that university will want to do this or hospitals and start from the bottom and that the government will come with a plan from the top. I agree that I agree with that. Uh, and um, I'm happy that you said the second part is being the government. I feel that the universities are bottom up strategy and the government is uh, top down strategy and kind of they complement each other very well. And um, in my research um, for this conversation, I came um, came about the Yezma uh, strategy that um, the Israeli uh, made, and that was 
if, if I'm not mistaken with the numbers, it's 50%. They're backing, the government would have backed 50% of the budget that the technology transfer has from private money, right? It wasn't technology transfer, Yosma was really a government uh, in, uh, initiation yeah. of the first VC fund in Israel. And actually, Yosma was the, the basis for the whole high-tech uh, um, area or high-tech ecosystem and venture funds that we have now in Israel. So it was the first venture fund that was created by the government. The government say, let's create a VC, a venture fund that uh, the, the, the goal is to make money. I, the government, the Israeli government will put 50% of the money and they called business people and pr the private sector to put the additional 50, to match 50%. And this was the first VC fund that started to, uh, to invest in, in high-tech company, in the first high-tech companies in Israel. And Yozma was very successful. And based on Yozma, many, many other private VC funds were created. And today, this ecosystem is huge and very important in Israel. So yes, this is a great uh, um, example of how the government can help to create something new because the government minimized the risk for the first people that goes into a new thing. But when the new thing is um, successful, other private people are not, are not afraid, afraid to, to join. So uh, yes, I think it's a very good example. I was, uh, I was so happy that I came, came about it because um, within the, the work that the raw startup team was doing in mapping out the national ecosystem startup ecosystem ecosystem strategy one of the feedback that i gave them was hey guys you need to have a national vc fund that is backing the startups where the startups are much uh that has a much higher risk right and the venture capital money are not coming in and uh, i gave them examples of alaska there's alaska one uh, then I gave them an example, one from Singapore, and it's very similar to what we are doing in our startup studio. Um, and the only difference is that the naming is different. And in the startup studio world is corporate venture development or government venture development, where in, in the idea, the core idea is basically the same. The corporate comes and puts um, half of the money or 30% of the money or 60% of money. Everybody chooses how they want. And uh, the studio or the, the government or the research and development center comes and puts the other half of the money. So, or another VC comes and puts the, other, uh, the, the, the rest of the money. So that was really interesting to see that there are so many similarities um, within different spaces um, or not simulators. It's the same thing, but it's called differently. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, uh, that was super interesting. Um, my next question is um, maybe um, although we discussed uh, around specific stuff and and, and so on, um, I would be keen to find out or you know, ask you what are some of the key departments uh, technology transfer office should have and focus on to have success. What are yeah, the so yeah? I think I mentioned it by expertise, but uh, I'll, I'll name the department. So. Um, the first department that is uh, crucial is IP department, intellectual property. It must be run by uh, 
an experienced patent attorney that knows how to look at patents and also how to write patents. This department doesn't have to write all the patents of the institution because there are too many. If you are successful, for example, we have a patent portfolio of more than 200 patent families. One person cannot uh, write them, but the, the aim of this department is to do the managing and the controlling. Mm -hmm. And we work with uh, uh, patent attorneys offices um, that are experts in their field and they write the patents for us. The second department that is very important is the business development department. And here we need to have business development people, as I said, that know the academic world, they know the industrial world, they must understand the science, they must be able to work with the scientists and, and, um, and understand the ideas and put these ideas into the right presentations and one pagers and even a short business plan. And they need to be able to talk with the industry and to do all the negotiations regarding uh, licensing deals or taking the technologies into the industry. A third department that is very important is the legal department. So the legal department takes care of all the um, agreements, the licensing agreements. Um, many times we need to sign NDAs. These are non-disclosure agreements when we start to talk with companies. So we do have in-house legal department, but some of this we also do uh, work outside with outside lawyers. And the third uh, and, and the fourth department that is very important is the finance department because everything needs to be uh, translated at the end of the day for money, um, income, and, uh, and outcome and expenses. And, and this needs to be clear enough and understood by the management of the, uh, of the institution. So I think these are the four main departments that are crucial. And at the beginning, each department can be one person. It doesn't have to be many. Hadassid, for example, we are a little bigger today. We're 11 people, but we're not tens of people. 11 people that takes care of all the portfolio of Adassa. So it, a, a lot of it is what we call uh, um, um, parallel management and not direct, direct management. Um, that's, that's great. And I agree that you don't have to have um, tens of people to run these departments. And specifically when you have outside partners that can help you specifically on some contextual needs, um, I don't need, uh, yeah, I agree, you don't have to have that under the same uh, uh, umbrella. Um, and coming to the coming back to the, your point around uh, your uh, team members and uh, the departments and so on, I was, um, I'm interested to find out how do you manage to do also in incubation program, I've seen that you have an incubation or acceleration program. How does that work? Is it different from technology transfer or is it the same? Um, I've seen it that it's it, it's powered by uh, IBM and yeah. So I think that this activity is on the top. So what we discussed till now is the basics of technology transfer operation. So the basic is taking care of the IP and the ideas that are invented in the institution, in the university and hospital, and how to translate it and take it into the industry. Now, 
On top of it, we do many other activities that uh, bring together the, our institution and the industry. But these are more advanced activities. I don't think you can do them without having the basic infrastructure set very, very good and very well. So we work in Hadassah in the last, uh, I'll say, four or five years to enlarge the innovation ecosystem of Hadassah. So we want to bring companies to work with us, not only based on our IP, but also based on their IP, on their ideas because we believe that connecting the physicians and professors of Adassa to the industry and to the startup companies will create a cycle of innovation at Adassa that will bring us more work and will bring us more revenues, but also will create better inventors that will think about the new idea all the time. And this come together in uh, this not new field, but kind of a new field that we call digital health. So digital health, especially in the last two years of the COVID-19 epidemic became, became a must, especially in the medical area. And many companies in Israel is now thriving with digital health companies. Many companies are coming with new ideas and also the use of big data in IT to develop new technologies and new diagnostic tools and force us to work with big data, with clinical data of the hospital. So all this in, is one basket of digital or digi di digitization yeah. of, our, uh, of our activities. So about three years ago, we, we teamed with IBM AlphaZone. IBM AlphaZone is the first accelerator that IBM uh, built uh, in Israel. This was the first accelerator in the world that was built in Israel. And the idea was to bring startup companies to a six month program and to accelerate them, to help them to use the um, uh, professionals of IBM and the professionals of, uh, of uh, um, in, in Hadassah, uh, in our system, to bring their products uh, closer to the market and to mm -hmm. make these companies more ripe to uh, get investments for investors. And um, IBM does this because they want to work with these companies in the future. Hadassah wants the companies to be in Hadassah because we believe that some of these companies will create solutions that the hospital will want to use for the benefit of, uh, of our patients. And we want these companies to continue and do their clinical trials in Hadassah, to use Hadassah professors as their consultants. And as I said, I think that every physician that is working with a startup company will be a better uh, inventor in, in the future. So we are just finishing now the fourth cohort of, um, of Hadassah accelerators. So the companies come here, they sit in a special place they get in Hadassah. We have a very nice uh, WeWork-like space called BioHouse, and uh, they get access to Hadassah professors, to Hadassah Helsinki committee, to people that can help them design their first clinical trial, to the needs of the patient. Sometimes they change their business model after they meet our physicians and understand better the, the, 
the market need. And they come out of this program much more ripe and much more mature. And um, just as evidence for this, from the uh, three first cohorts where we had 16 companies all together that already graduated, 11 of these already raised money in a total of $34 million um, after graduating our accelerator. So we really help the companies. And this uh, uh, relationship between Hadassah and Hadassit and IBM and startup companies bring more business, more entrepreneurship, more entrepreneurs that are now looking for more technologies and more innovation into the ecosystem. And that's very important for us. That's some really great, uh, great work that you are doing, and um, it, it, it's you've built up the perfect scene for for my next question, which is uh, is touching a bit on the subject of finance and um, from the lens of the fact that um, centers, technology transfer centers like Hadassit um, and um, similar to startup studios, all these business businesses work with something that is going to be ripe in the future so so for something that you cannot put your hands uh, on it today but it's going to be available in a couple of years in the front right so i just build up my uh, my uh, scene for the question how do you make a technology transfer um, center uh, like hadassit to be financially sustainable okay so you need to uh, build your business model uh, based uh in two different areas. One and the main thing is the long-term activities. So in, we invest what now in order to see the money in seven, eight, 10 years. Yeah. We don't know what will fail and what will succeed because many times technologies fail because when you go to clinical trials in drugs, you see that it's not working as you thought it will work and this happens. That's the risk of uh, our area. Um, but you're right. So you need to build uh, uh, the business model also based on what I call short-term activities. And our short-term activities is to use the infrastructure we have at Hadassah and to serve as a kind of a CRO to companies. So Israeli startup companies that want to use the expertise of Hadassah physicians or the expertise of the laboratories that we have here, they can come to us and we give them service for fee. So no IP is involved. The company, for example, a company that is developing a new drug for cancer, mm -hmm. they know that in Hadassah that there are some laboratories that have the best animal models for cancer that they can use. So they come to the professor and he say, we have a new idea. We want to use your model in order to test if our drug is working in mice or in rats. So he, uh, the professor creates the plan and the budget and uh, um, the company pay as a service for fee. So for us, this is an, an income, an immediate income. Companies can come and use uh, the consultancy of, um, of professors. We also bring sponsored research, for example, there are some big companies that are interested in research and they are willing to uh, fund sponsored research uh, uh, in Hadassah. So we have to calculate the overheads and the overheads is part of Hadassah budget. 
So I create or we create a business model that is based on two legs. One is the long term, and the second is the short term that must bring revenues in the same year that the contract is signed in order really to pay the salaries and yeah. to allow the company to live. That's that's great. Yeah, I've, you've given me a new perspective. So thank you for that. Uh, uh, that's really helpful to know. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm happy that Hadassit um, is doing so so great in terms of doing the technology transfer and um, having impact in the ecosystem. And um, my next question is something that um, it's maybe more of a personal thing of yours. What is your favorite Hadassit success story so far, and why? <laughs> okay, so I really think that. Uh... Um, so I have many, you know, many <laughs> favorites and many, many, many babies here. But maybe I will, uh, I will uh, discuss the recent news or the recent agreement that was done uh, really lately and was published all over the news in Israel and outside of Israel. And this is based on uh, cell technology. So uh, we do have in the DASA an amazing technology that was developed many years ago by Professor uh, uh, Benjamin Rubinoff. And this is uh, the cell technology, embryonic stem cells that uh, were um, uh, developed and uh, uh, studied many, many years. And the idea with embryonic stem cells that if you work in the right way, you can differentiate these cells to almost every organ in, in the body. And uh, the idea is to try and cure diseases using cell therapy, using stem cells in order in, in and not just chemicals and, and drugs. And this technology was developed uh, uh, a, with a company that was established around it called CellCure Neuroscience. CellCure also was established more than, much more than 10 years ago. CellCure started uh, looking at neuroscience indications, and then they pinpoint a very unique need in the ophthalmology area. And they developed together with Professor Rubinoff a new treatment for AMD. AMD is macular degeneration. It's a severe disease of the eye when the retina cells of the eye die. And it's, uh, a, um, a, a, we, saw, we see this a lot with uh, elder people. And it's a disease that causes blindness in the, in the way uh, at the end. And there's no cure today and no drug. And the company that was established here in Jerusalem, this is also why it's one of my babies. The company was established here in Jerusalem. And they also established a huge um, production facility here in Jerusalem, actually in our building. And today they have the expertise, not only to differentiate and to develop the cells that can, that will be uh, injected into the eyes of patients in surgery. They also have the ability for large scale production and to produce the cells to be sold or uh, to be given to patients all over the world. And uh, successfully for the company, uh, last December, only two months ago, a very lucrative deal was signed 
with Genentech, uh, the company, Roche company Genentech. Genentech took, took sub-license to, uh, to our technology and Genentech will now do the phase two and phase three clinical trials and hopefully will bring this drug to the market. So this will be an amazing uh, uh, drug that will help people that otherwise would be blind in, uh, in a disease that has no cure today with uh, state-of-the-art and novel uh, technology that is not used so much uh, today. And also, if we talk about if we talk about income, it will be a very it is a very nice deal for Hadassah. And the numbers that were published, and I can quote, so this is considered to be the biggest cell therapy deal done ever outside the field of oncology. Uh, wow. The worth of the deal can uh, go up to six hundred and seventy million dollars in payment by Genentech to SellCure uh, by upfront and development milestones. And then the top of it, um, there will be also royalties from uh, sales of the product that we cannot disclose the numbers. Yeah. Another number that was disclosed is that the upfront of the deal was $50 million, five zero. So very nice number for uh, a technology that is now finishing phase one clinical trials. And of course, as Hadassah and Hadassit, as we are the owner of the um, first patents and, and the initiation of the technologies, we gave license to Cellcure. And uh, Cellcure with its, its parent company, uh, a US-based company called Lineage uh, Therapeutics, did the deal. And of course, uh, Hadassit and Hadassah are part of the a deal as we will see part of any revenues that Cellcure and Lineage will get. So it's also a lucrative deal when we talk about the numbers. Wow, that's a that's a first of all, congratulations for for the deal and for the news. Um, uh, I have so many questions and, and I don't know which one to, to answer. So first of all, um, are you looking, you had a seat, is it something that you're looking to um, maybe potentially at some point in time exit, or is it something that you are looking to have only as royalties or licensing fees to be coming in um, for a long time of period and having that transform into a revenue stream? You ask if we want to make an exit to have a seat? Yeah, from uh, from this deal, yeah. Oh, oh from, from the Cellcure deal. I think that here as Genentech took it, and Genentech is a big pharma that will probably uh, want to take it all the way to the market, uh, so it will not be sold. We will see the revenue stream from the development milestones and from the sales of the product uh, at the end of the day. Uh, if Genentech will decide to do something with this, so we'll know, but this is now the, the um, more typical business model. With other companies, with other technologies, when we uh, establish um, between two to four new startup companies every year in Israel, many of them in, in the incubator programs, many of them are uh, private company, totally private companies. So with these companies, we believe that some of them will make an exit. 
and some of them will go all the way or do sub-license deals. But this is another maybe lesson or another lecture about the, the different business models. We need to be very flexible in our business models and we need to have a very long vision and to try to understand what uh, each technology can, can become to and make sure that Hadassah and Hadassit will make revenues from each business model or from each technology when we don't know today what will be the business model of the companies. This is why the expertise, the business development expertise in a technology transfer uh, company is so important. That's that's uh, that's great, and I, I think uh, from what I've listened and uh, and heard about the cellular technology, um, at least from um, from how I think about it, it has a really great potential in disrupting the prescriptive um, eyewear uh, industry, right? So if you start from just one disease and then expand it to different contexts and needs, uh, the technology itself, um, that's a that's that's some great potential and something to track in the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years. <laughs> um, Tamar, uh, I've came to my final questions. And since we're discussing numbers, I'm going to zoom out a bit. And uh, if you have some numbers that you can give me around how, um, or maybe what kind of impact uh, it had the technology transfer on the Israeli economic um, situation in terms of uh, GDP and also that, that is one question. And if that has um, developed the government's trust to put even more money into it. I, I think it's very hard for me to think uh, in uh, to, to state numbers. I think it's too complicated to, to look at. But I think that if we look in my field, in the medical field, mm -hmm. and how many startups were starting in Israel or started in Israel, um, based on technologies coming out from universities. So there are tens of new startups every year that are starting from universities. So I will say that the impact is, uh, is enormous, is, is very big. And when um, uh, you look at the startups, so and you look at startups that maybe failed and closed, but then you need to look at the entrepreneurs and see how, what is, what was their second role and what did they uh, learn from it? I think that the impact in my field of the medical field is, is huge. Thank you very much. Um, it, that's definitely helpful. And uh, uh, this was really an amazing conversation. I've learned so much about the subject. Um, and I do do like constant research about technology transfer since I'm really passionate about it. But this was really, um, uh, there were some hidden gems that you've talked about and gave me uh, examples. So thank you very much, Tamar, for joining the conversation, sharing uh, uh, tips, insights. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope you like the conversation. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it was very interesting. And the questions always uh, make me think again on the main things and uh, i think uh, it's very important to be able to uh, look at the important things and to decide what are the main activities you need to do now and what are the activities that you need that you will do later because we cannot do everything together and i think that uh, technology transfer is a fascinating thing and being on the edge between the academic world and the industrial world 
for me is uh, a very good and happy reason to uh, come to the office every uh, every morning and being able to be part of uh, life-changing technologies that will get there and help people in the future is something that is very important to me. And thank you for the opportunity to share some of my knowledge with, uh, with people all over the world. Thank you once again, Tamar. And I really think that you are at the grassroots level of building the future, like they say. Uh, so that is, that is really, really nice. Thank you once again uh, for the conversation and uh, hope to have you soon back. Sure. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. So remember to click the follow or subscribe button and get notified immediately when we publish a new episode. Have a great day.